for the first time in three years, four years, the, for the first time in a while, welcome to That Might Be Cool. <laughs> I'm Jason Hammonds. I'm Chase Anderson. Uh, welcome to our new show. We are on the road to Endgame. Uh, this is the, the first season of a new show where uh, we, we take a deep dive into various aspects of pop culture. You can read the description to find out more about the show, but uh, this first season is the road to Endgame, Chase, and we're, uh, we're, we're, we're going to start from the beginning and go all the way to uh, the very last movie in the, in the history of Marvel. It's the last one they're ever going to make. I'm ready, man. <laughs> Endgame is the last movie. Oh There's no! no more, I'm not ready for that. I'm no ready for. Marvel I'm ready movies. to watch 21 movies consecutively. Oh yeah! In preparation for this, if you're if you're listening uh, to this right now, be ready for a new episode every day, every hour on the hour, <laughs> every hour. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a big undertaking that we impulsively decided to uh, to undergo. Uh, a lot of under talk, but under under ruse, under under there, you know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Underoos. I was trying to think of a Spider-Man joke when he says underoos. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's no, there's nothing there. It's a, no, no. it's a really empty well. Uh, but Chase, today we are going to talk about Iron Man. Mr. Stark, you've been called the Da Vinci of our time. What do you say to that? Absolutely ridiculous. I don't paint. What do you say to your other nickname, the Merchant of Death? That's not bad. They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I prefer the weapon you only need to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. To peace. Do, do, do. What is Iron Man's theme song? There's, uh, in, in the movie, Rhodey's ringtone plays it. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm trying to remember it, but like, because it was from the 80s TV show or something. I keep, I keep in my head, I'm going, Iron Man, Iron Man, does what, and then I'm like, oh wait, no, that's not, that's Spider-Man. Does whatever Iron Man does. <laughs> does whatever Iron Man Shoots does. Um, stuff out of his hands. <laughs> yeah. Not web stuff. I guess um, in this movie it's Black Sabbath. That's really the the Iron Man theme in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude. That when that song kicked it, like in two thousand eight, that song had a real resurgence. In the same way that like Bohemian Rhapsody had a resurgence in twenty eighteen, like the Iron Man. That's true. Um, they didn't actually put it in the movie. I was super disappointed because in the trailer. Yeah. When he comes out as mm. the Iron Man from the cave, yeah. it plays the Iron Man song, and it's super epic. But like they took it out, so yeah. like when the when if, I first saw it, I was just like, oh, this is like it was like almost a little bit disappointing because yeah. I didn't have the Iron Man song. I'm I'm betting at that time they were like, you know what, that'd be too on the nose. We shouldn't do that. But then you look at like in 2019 Marvel, like you've got you've got the Thor movie where Hammer of the Gods is playing as he's like doing his thing. Where it's like, there's I, I love that. Every like someone said, was it you or someone else told me that they're like, yeah, that's just uh, that was probably me. It was too, too on, on the, the nose, nose. <laughs> and I'm like, I loved it. And I'm like, because there's those songs that are so perfect, but they never use them because they're like, oh, I don't want to be. But then Taika Waititi's over here, like he's like, yeah, don't care, man. He's like. Uh no, it says <laughs> Hammer of the God. This show, this movie's about uh, the Hammer of the God. You know, or the God of Hammers, right? The, the God of Hammers, yeah. Thor, the God of Hammers. Uh, that's that's for another episode. It is. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting though because I do think that if if this movie was made today, that coming out of the cave scene, he would certainly have Iron Man playing. Dude, in the it'd background. be a wild movie. Yeah, because this is the movie that started it off, and it was it came out at the exact it was the exact same year that The Dark Knight came out, right? Yeah, two thousand eight. So that it was like this weird 
realism of superheroes yeah. that people loved. I loved it. I remember because yeah. I was like, this is so cool. Like, it's not like uh, the Batman and Robins. Yeah. Like those old movies. If superheroes were real. This is what they'd look like. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. this movie, and it's weird where it went to because mm-hmm. it progressively got to the point where we see them in Infinity War and there's like this whole universe now. But did you, do you think they had all that in mind? I no. mean, they had an Avengers planned. Yeah. They knew they were leading to the Avengers. I think I don't even think they knew when they would get there. Uh, at the time they made this movie, they they definitely didn't. Uh, but they were trying to plant those seeds to lead to it. Um, it's it becomes pretty clear in watching these first like two or three movies, like specifically the first three movies, that they weren't quite sure where they were going and how they were going to get there. Uh, Dude, I think they've the whole. F- Phase one yeah. was like that. They were just like, because um, I mean, it, when you look back on it, yeah, and you kind of see where the movies were mm-hmm. and where they are now, um, yeah, some some were better, some were worse. We'll yeah. talk about the worst ones later. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, Iron Man is it's pro- it's probably my favorite movie. Still, really? it's still one of my top favorite movies in the MCU. It's definitely and not just because me. it's like the first one or the yeah. like, I just I think it's a really good story. You know, it's just like a redemption story. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really it's a really tight movie. There, it's it starts to have some issues in the third act, but overall, I think it's really good. The characters are really strong. Um, I mean, obviously, like everybody was astonished by Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in this movie. Yeah, like everybody loved Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Like that was the new superhero. Like yeah. forget Spider Man, forget. Superman, it was like Iron Man. He's yeah. the cool one. Um, he's like, you know, he's like Batman. He doesn't have any superpowers except for his own, you know, genius intellect. Yeah. Well, and he, the thing is, like, the, the thing is, people love Batman, but Iron Man came out and was like actually having fun with who he was, you know? Yeah. Like, Batman, Batman's never like the fun billionaire. Anytime he is, it's like an act, you know, like in, in Batman Begins or in when he like buys that hotel or whatever he goes, uh, takes on a whim a or with the yeah supermodels but it's like always an act it's like him trying to like play the part of the billionaire whereas with tony stark he's just he's just a billionaire who's having fun with his money like well he's the kind of person that like if you were a billionaire yeah that's how i don't know a lot of people would want to act because then yeah. you got real billionaires who don't yeah do that mm-hmm. well i guess you got what's his name elon musk elon musk yeah basically tony stark <laughs> um yeah it's closest thing we got yeah it's definitely the closest thing we got because yeah he's like the one like maybe him and like mark cuban are like the only billionaires in the world that like seem like they're actually mark cuban yeah at least like that seems like they're having fun with their oh yeah that's true i was gonna say i'm like he doesn't build anything cool but elon musk is over here making Making flamethrowers and and shooting cars into space yeah it's funny it's also been it's been interesting watching the arc of like public opinion on Elon Musk sort of in light of these movies, but then as it's kind of like you know grown and people have learned more about elon musk and stuff like it's 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 very interesting to see like how how this stuff shifts um one thing i that, that's interesting looking at it back now is the possibilities for where this movie could have gone right so this was for the context of Iron Man. This is the first movie that Marvel Studios, as their own entity, produced. Um, yeah, before they were Disney, right? Yeah, before they were Disney. Pre Mickey uh, Mouse. And this is after, because up to this point, the only Marvel movies had been produced by other studios. You know, they had been licensed out to Fox, to Sony, to Universal, to whoever. And so this is the first attempt of, of Marvel Studios to actually do something on their own. 
Um, and it was also like, it was no sure thing. They basically bet the farm on this and Incredible Hulk doing well. Because they co-produced with Paramount. They took huge loans to make these movies, to produce them. And just hoping that they'd get the money back to be able to pay the loans off. Um, That's weird to think that, that they were like basically bankrupt yeah. before they did this. Yeah. And now it's the the biggest franchise in the world. Yeah, because they, I mean, Marvel, like at least four different points over their history almost went out of business. And this was another one of those key moments where like they were doing, Marvel was doing okay as, an, as a business at this point. Like they were stable, but they weren't huge and they definitely didn't have the money to make a movie. Uh, and so they took out a huge loan. Um, I think it was like through Merrill Lynch or someone like that. Um, and then co-produced it with Paramount. So these movies were actually, you know, distributed and, 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 uh, like I think the studios on the movies, like these were all filmed on Paramount lots. And like, you know, it's weird because now that this is a big Disney franchise, there's an alternate universe where it became a big Viacom Paramount franchise, which really? is odd. Yeah. Cause if, if they hadn't have been bought by Disney, these would have all just been Paramount movies. Um, yeah, that, that would have been interesting to see where, yeah. Do you think it would have been gone as big as it had? I don't think it would have been as big, and I don't think it would have been as consistent. Um, That's true. I don't know how they do it, mm-hmm. but um, this this works. Like they they figured out how to do this, you know, shared universe. Like no one else has tried. There have been people like the Dark Universe, yeah. um, that have failed on their first movie. Yeah, yeah. The Dark Universe failed on their first movie twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had Dracula. <laughs> yeah, Untold. Yeah, which was an interesting. The game begins movie. at the end when they try to tease their sequel that never happened. Oh yeah, and Tywin Lannister is sitting in the modern is it day Tywin? behind a newspaper or something. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so it's funny looking back because obviously, like this was this was no sure thing. They they really bet the farm on this. Um, they didn't really even have a script when they filmed this movie. They had like their scenes. They knew what their scenes were, but the dialogue hadn't really been written. They went in and just like allowed the actors to just sort of improvise their lines and like lead to the end point that they wanted, <laughs> which is wild. Like, because nowadays there's no way they would ever film a Marvel movie without having a full ironed out script. You know, no pun intended with the iron. But what? No. Huh. Why uh, Thor? Well, sure. Ragnarok is they they had a full script, but they just started they started improvising lines on top lot, of that. Yeah, a lot and of like, improvision. Yeah, there was a lot of improvising on top of. But that was but this one like from from the stories that they tell at least, it was like there was a very 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 rough script. Yeah, I, I did hear that they they didn't even know like how the ending was going to happen or something, and they had different plans with uh, the villain. It wasn't going to be Ironmonger. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what it was. Yeah, it's it seems like it was very nebulous when they started, which is wild. You're like betting the farm on this thing, and you don't have it fully figured out when you go to make it. It's crazy. That yeah, that is interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, do you think that explains like the third act? You said the third act has is is weak, and I, I agree. It's like it's not the. I like it because it's like a smaller. Yeah, it's very smaller. Uh, you know, small scale kind of thing. It's him versus Obadiah. Mm. Obadiah creates his own. You know, Iron Monger. Yeah, I the one thing that I think the legacy that I don't like from this movie is that it uh, it introduced the giant blue light into the sky thing. Is that the first one? This is like the first movie that did that. I don't know about that. Two thousand eight. Let's see. I'm pretty sure it is because then also just about every single Phase One Marvel movie also did that, and then no, they didn't. Yeah, Avengers did. Thor did. When did Thor do it? Thor, Thor had it. I when the I think it's when the the um, the what's it called the like. Well, I guess I mean not quite, but like when the destroyer comes down to Earth and 
all that stuff. Like you've got the rainbow bridge thing happening. It's not quite the same. That but. doesn't count because it's like the Bifrost, you know, beaming them down. <laughs> but uh, but there's also in Avengers the the arc reactor when it yeah and they do it yeah the they sky. do it in the first one the first um, Avengers Captain America also has it where it's also when they're using the Tesseract. Well, it is the Tesseract, you know. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, I guess in the Iron Man, the first one, it kind of makes sense because it's like. They wanted uh, people to be able to see it, you know. They wanted word of mouth. They'd be like, who's this Iron Man kind of thing? Because, well, and then they do have a fight on the freeway yeah. and whatnot. But I think that was the intent, was it was supposed to be like, oh, what happened? There was like, and it pins it straight on Stark, you know. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it was over there. And then, you know, they could just say the arc reactor sure. blew up. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know, it, like, the, that is one of those things that I think this this movie introduced that concept that was just, it kept being used in everything. Uh, you know, Fantastic Four used it. Uh, yeah, do you think they use it on purpose? I think it's like, just... Yeah, let's, let's do a, a sky beam. I guess, you know what, actually, I think Independence Day was probably the first movie that did it, but I, I, I don't think that they necessarily... Yeah, I don't think they necessarily do it on purpose, but I think that it's just sort of laziness, where it's like... Ah, uh, we need a thing. We got to show some energy, you know, whatever, like to to you know make it make it blow up in the sky. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I remember a giant blue light in the sky at some point in Thor. I just can't remember where it was. Well, we'll we'll, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. Yeah, and, I guess we'll, uh, we'll get to that. See movie. what happens. So. Um. But anyway, so so one of the fun alternate sort of things, or one of the the fun possibilities about this movie, uh is the alternate casting the all of the the different people that were considered over Robert Downey Jr. uh you know who, or, or who or, was it I mean there's the the biggest name and people have talked about this a lot is Tom, Tom Cruise Tom Cruise yeah I know that one which everybody knows that one and that makes sense like if if honestly I can't believe Robert Downey Jr. was cast over Tom Cruise uh, well, did Tom Cruise want to do it or did they like if they had the did they have the choice they're like all right we got I think Tom, Tom Cruise over here and we got Robert Downing Jr. over here. I'm pretty RDJ. sure. I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise wanted it, but he had like a few demands and stipulations that, like, he was because. And we'll talk about an Incredible Hulk, but they kind of ran into this a bit with Edward Norton. Um, but yeah, he he wanted to like. Pro- I think Tom Cruise wanted to like produce it, and he wanted like creative control for certain aspects. Um, I can see that Tom Cruise. He kind of likes to do his own thing. With yeah. the, the Fallout, what do you call it? Not Fallout, Mission but the Impossible. Mission Impossible, which uh, Fallout was amazing. I loved Fallout. Oh, I think that entire franchise, except um, for two, is pretty amazing. Yeah, no, so like he does great in that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, how how do you think the the MCU would have been if, because there's so many what ifs of yeah. like, what if this happened, what if that happened, that would change, especially from this beginning point, like how would it change the directory of the entire, yeah. you know, cinematic universe if we had Tom Cruise... Do you think he would be in like so many movies? I mean, it would be I compl- it's butterfly effect, you know. Yeah. It'd be like a completely different. I think. I think if if he was, he would probably be executive producer on every Marvel movie. Like he would probably have a stake in this franchise. Uh, Do you think he'd want to be though? Because this yes. is like pretty big. A lot of for some reason, a lot of actors don't like to have such a huge commitment. A lot of them don't. I think Tom Cruise has, has is one of the few actors who's fully embraced the type of actor he is. Which is just action movie franchise guy, and so I think this would be the like for him. This would have lined up for this would have probably actually filled the gap that he ended up going back to with Mission Impossible, you know, because he kind of resurrected that franchise of his own volition that was already dead. But maybe if he had already been Iron Man at that point, 
then he would have been like, all right, I got my Iron Man stuff. Like, I'm cool. I can I can keep rolling with this. I don't know. Would you, would you have liked him as Iron Man? I think I would have, but it's hard to look at it outside of Robert Downey Jr. You know, like, it's hard to look at that role. And I also think, I don't think the movies end up being quite as successful with Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is more polarizing, you know? Well, Tom Cruise just plays Tom Cruise, and we know that how... He does. You know, I mean, I guess... Well, I, I even just mean as a person. Like, people, oh. there's a lot of people who don't want to see Tom Cruise movies, you know? Yeah, like, my, my dad hates Tom Cruise for some reason. Well, yeah, it's like the Scientology I, stuff. Yeah, because he, he is weird yeah. um, in that sense. I don't know. I don't know too much about that. But I'm like, I like to judge actors based on their acting. Yeah. Like, and, like, also judge them. I, I don't need to judge them on based off their other stuff. I mean, I can have opinions or what yeah. I think. I'm like, I don't really care. Mostly what, mostly what I care about is, like, you know, good performance and, you know, yeah. if I like them or enjoy their movies. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it would have been, it definitely, he definitely would have been a, a much more, like, I would assume he would have been a little bit more of, like, a um, a macho, not macho, but, like, an alpha male assertive type of play on, on Iron Man. And, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. is still a very, like, alpha male type. He's playing it very alpha, but... But he's very it's charismatic about yeah. it, you know. It's like I don't even know if like he's serious sometimes because yeah. he he kind of does. He kind of puts on this act or, when, or show when he does like Comic Con stuff where he's yeah. like he's like oh, I'm the one that started the MCU kind of thing. But it's like more joking, and I'm like yeah. I can't tell if he's serious or not. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, he's like I'm Iron Man, but that's that's what people love about him is that he fully embraces this role. Yeah, that he is Iron Man, and uh, you know fans love it so. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's it's very interesting uh the way that 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 it's sort of evolved. But yeah, I think it's hard to imagine, you know, any anybody embodying this role the way Robert Downey Jr has. Um, you know, it's it's uh well that those are the kind of actors you need for a franchise like this. Yeah. I mean, I remember that Aquaman episode that we did. Um, that was for Savage Lands, right? Yeah, it was for Savage Lands. Yeah, you came down and we watched it and uh it's like Jason Momoa. He's the kind of actor that fully embraces the role and loves it and that's what fans love and that's what robert downey jr did and i think that's part of the reason why he's been so successful yeah in you know creating excitement for like this universe and like wanting to see other stuff because you can see him Mm -hmm. in real life and it's like oh there's tony stark you know so yeah no totally that's just that's what i think i don't know yeah i'm with you and i think everyone kind of has has that uh feeling about him because he just he has just become so you know uh, uh, symbiotic with the role like it's just there's you can't really tell where the character ends and, and the actor begins um, but yeah th- this this movie I, I don't think anybody could have predicted the sort of you know grand effect that this movie would have and the sort of fallout from it um, but the the one thing that's that's kind of interesting in, in going back to watch this again was the amount of aspects of this movie that are you know either retconned or like abandoned or totally sort of shifted in tone or direction going forward in the MCU? I mean, obviously the biggest glaring thing is Terrence Howard. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that last night because we we watched it yeah. last night. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I watched most of it. I fell asleep during the, <laughs> the end. Um, but uh, that's that's besides the point. Yeah, we were talking about um, also you know the potential of what Ter- Terrence Howard would have been going forward. Over Don Cheadle, and I think you said that he's. Like, you said I would really love to have seen Don Cheadle 
from the beginning. Yeah. But he said, I don't know if I would like to have seen that. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not positive because I think I think Terrence Howard fit in this movie very well. I will say this is like one of Terrence Howard's least charismatic roles I've ever seen. Like he's really kind of flat. Yeah, him and Don Cheadle's I mean they play the same character, but like it's I don't so know, different. Don Cheadle just does it better. Yeah. And especially when it comes into Iron Man two and he's more you know, he's joking, he's yeah. you know, and he's not just like the Air Force pilot guy. Yeah. Terrence Howard was just the Air Force pilot guy. Yeah, I mean they had they had like a little you know, like there's the fun scene on the plane and like when they're talking on the phone, like they said definitely had rapport. But yeah, I feel like if Don Cheadle were in those scenes, he probably would have sold them a lot better. Yeah. The sort of like broy friendship that they have or whatever. Um which is kind of funny because there's the moment in this movie when Terrence Howard looks at the suit and he's like, next time, baby, you know, and then yeah. it doesn't end up being Terrence Howard. Like, it's it's this weird thing where you're seeing this actor talk about what he's going to do next, but then he isn't. Well, I mean, it's the character becomes it. Yeah. But yeah. They, they play the character so different because, I mean, Terrence Howard does hit Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle does Don Cheadle. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. We talked about Tom Cruise being mm-hmm. in the role. What do you think it would have been like going forward with Terrence Howard? Man, can you imagine? Can you imagine this Mar- the Marvel universe where Terrence Howard and Tom Cruise are the are the are the two like our oh, Iron geez, Man? Geez, man, um, I don't know if I'd like it that much. Yeah, because like Tom Cruise, it would just be like oh, another Tom Cruise franchise. Yeah. Oh, I guess he wasn't. He did by this point. There was what three Mission Impossible movies? Yeah, there were three Mission Impossible movies. He hadn't done like Oblivion or or um, yeah, Jack like, Reacher. Or, I mean, he's pretty famous for being an action star, though. Yeah. So like. Um, I don't think they have any action stars in the MCU. Like, no. I mean, and that's the thing. It would have been like the focus of this entire universe would have been very different because yeah, it would be very out, action movie. Yeah, you're starting you're starting out and taking direction and taking tone from an action star, an action movie, rather than you know a, a sort of actor who you know like is more known for like kind of comedic roles and like drama and stuff like that. Like someone who's just a, a legit actor. And I mean, Tom Cruise was early in his career. He was that for sure. But he definitely shifted to just being like the action franchise guy. Well, he likes doing stunts, you know? Yeah. He's he's like the stunt guy now. Well, um, I think it's partially why like The Rock or Vin Diesel or some of these guys haven't really been cast in any major roles in this universe. I mean, obviously Groot, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like th- th- they, this, is, this just isn't really the universe for that type of actor, it feels. It's more of like, uh, I feel like they try to find more of like the charismatic. Yeah. You know, like the the personalities. You know, they're trying to because they're comic book characters. They're not just like your straight up action star. Yeah, that's why they bring in. They love the comedy people. They bring in Chris Pratt. Yep. And then, uh, well, Chris Hemsworth somehow they didn't know it at the <laughs> beginning, but yeah. you know, um, yeah. But they they like to bring in these different kind of actors that aren't yeah. just like your your big stars, your big Hollywood action movie. I don't know. Yeah, it's not it's not the typical blockbuster people, and that's why they always I think, bring in people that you don't expect. And yeah. that the RDJ was the first one. Yeah, that they were like nobody expected, and nobody thought he could be good in this role. Well, and, and then they've kind of done that throughout the the rest of the MCU. Yeah, casting certain people that are like, oh, that's weird, but then turn out to be amazing. And that's kind of the funny thing is looking at their first two movies, Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. It shows that they were almost like trying two different approaches. Incredible Hulk was the traditional Hollywood approach. And Iron Man was kind of their weird taking a chance approach. Like Iron Man was the movie they were really gambling on. Incredible Hulk was the one that they thought was the safe bet. Uh, and so they hire, you know, you hire a, an action movie director for Incredible Hulk. You hire a big star as the lead in Incredible Hulk. Give him a bunch of power and control, uh, you know, and then you know, get your, t- your Tim Roth as the villain. Like, you know, you set it up in a very conventional way. And then That's with true. Iron Man, it's like we're taking John Favreau, who's a 
comedy, like rom-com type director at the time. Can't remember what the movie was that he was coming off of at this point, but you Elf. know, was it Elf? It was Elf. See, yeah, I so- remember because he talked about Elf a lot in that big meeting they <laughs> That's had right. for the Infinity War. He's like, when I directed Elf, I was like, okay, we get it. You directed Elf. See, that, that, that's the thing, right? Is like, he's coming off of Elf, and and then you get Robert Downey Jr., who's coming off of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but he's really coming coming off of like rehab, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, uh, to come. And so it it shows, I think, and this is the thing that's proven time and time again to be very useful for Marvel is like when they the, the more they take chances, the the more it pays off, you know. Do you think they're gonna be? There's gonna be a point where they jump the shark with these taking chances. Maybe because, like, I've kind of thought that throughout the MCU, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll uh, in in further episodes, I will uh, explain yeah. at the points that I think that that in my head we're like, wow, they just they they made a leap, yeah. You know, um, either that's in like uh, world building or like technology or yeah, you know, something like that. But. Uh, well, that's for another day, but you know we're talking about yeah, Iron Man right looking, now. So. Looking at the gambles they've taken, though, right? Like, I think the the big gambles are a Iron Man and and basing that around Robert Downey Jr. Huge gamble paid off huge. Uh, one of the next ones would be Guardians of the Galaxy, totally unknown franchise. Like you know, casting Chris Pratt, you know, who at the time when they cast him was chubby and out of shape and whatever. You know, like the there, it just feels like and even Thor Ragnarok, like wildly reimagining that character. Well, I think that's what they've had the most success in exactly i mean there's a lot of movies where they like they try to do something different and then it's or they try to do something regular yeah but like the all the most successful movies started you know with iron man is taking a risk and doing something different and those have been the most Mm -hmm. successful yeah even it's like every time i've looked at like when when they hire directors or they hire actors or whatever every time i've seen a choice that they've made and gone oh yeah that makes sense i feel like those movies end up being average you know like the russo brothers for winter soldier no one was going oh yeah that's that's that makes sense no one said that you know it's like these sitcom directors and we'll talk about this later but the the decisions that they've always made that seemed like the logical ones have been the ones that haven't paid off you know hiring the game of thrones director for thor the dark world hiring an action movie director for incredible hulk hiring a big star for incredible hulk like oh man Dang man, you might make me want to talk about that but i'm like i think i feel like we're gonna have a a huge problem trying to keep focus on uh no, the mo- movie we're on, but well, uh, well, that's the thing too is all of these episodes are us. You know, we're talking about the movie that we're on, but we're also talking about it as it relates to the to the larger sort of cinematic universe here. So I think it's okay. both. You but know, there's just so much stuff. You say something, and it like something goes out, opens like, up another. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, oh, okay, a wormhole. I'm like I got, and then I'm like, okay, I got to remember <laughs> that. I'm gonna have to take notes for some of these other ones. I know, right? Um, but yeah, it's it, and so it's it's all it's just it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, the so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to talk about the character of Iron Man for a second because we watched it last night and even you said it was like, oh, it's interesting. Well, you said his mm-hmm. style was outdated. Yes. But <laughs> his hairdo, his sunglasses, his like wide lapels, his style, like fashion sense in this it, movie. It makes me feel so old because I was in high school. Oh, and we and all like, saw that. Yeah. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is, it, he's so cool. He's so awesome. I want to be he's just like him. So slick. But, but it, well, Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it's funny Cutting because I, I think that it might have been out of style even at this time, that it was like someone who has no fashion senses idea of what fashionable is. Almost. Yeah, it's like the, the rich person's uh, idea. Trump is the rich person's... Or the homeless person's idea of a rich person. That's it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so... Was that, that John Mulaney? I, I think so. It. Yeah. It was, it's, you know, someone funny. Yeah. Uh, stand-up comedian. But, uh, yeah, no, he's definitely like the the poor versions you know idea of what a 
a, a playboy is. Yeah, exactly. He's like that cartoonish, like... It's like if you were to just take Hugh Hefner, but like make him a young guy, you know what I mean? Like just yeah, like give that him lots of money. Of yeah, well, like he already had lots of money, but if you were to, if it was just like you took who Hugh Hefner was at the time, like the the ninety year old Hugh Hefner or whatever, oh, yeah. and just put him in a forty year old's body, that's basically what you've got here. It's just like this old dude who wears these garish clothes, walks around with his slick back hair. Like it's 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 weird looking at. Well. I- because he wears the sunglasses, right? And then all of yeah. a sudden, RDJ has been wearing those sunglasses. He's known for wearing sunglasses. But his sunglasses have gotten time. way better. <laughs> way well, they better just speak. The it's because of the style, you sure. know. In ten years, we're gonna look back and be like, "Whoa, look at those weird square glasses he was wearing, or whatever." Dude, his glasses in Infinity War suck. I will say that controversial opinion. Well, that's a, the, that's his <laughs> thing. Is just big. Yeah, you know, big weird glasses. Yeah, just like. But uh, yeah, the character. Yeah. It's weird seeing the beginning of the the character because totally. we've seen him so much. He's been in the most MCU movies, and yeah. uh, see him like where he started because I haven't seen this movie for a while. Yeah, but, and then it's just you know it's back to him being like mm-hmm. that cocky, and then you know the cocky playboy billionaire philanthropist. Yeah, um, and this is back in a time when Audi was sponsoring these movies before Acura came in and put their cars everywhere. What? No, it's still Audi. Uh-uh. Well, for Iron Man, he no. still he drives the Audis in Iron Man. No, he doesn't. In uh, he drives. He Age drives of Ultron. the. No, in Age of Ultron, he hasn't. That's an Acura that rolls up. That's an Audi. It's an Acura. What? I guarantee. You. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to Age of Ultron. Okay. Well, I'm gonna be watching for it. Yeah, you will. It's starting with because it's the new R8. Because I remember Cody was all talking about it. It's start starting with the first Avengers movie. It's Acuras, all over the place. I still think it's Audi. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll see who's right. Everyone, listeners, can pay attention and tune in in a week and a half. Uh, Audi v Acura, <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Which one has more more Robert product Tony placement Jr.'s? in the MCU? Oh, Audi or, or Acura still outweighs them just because of all the shield cars. Oh, <laughs> if we're talking more product placement, Acura's got the edge for sure. <laughs> My favorite cars, though, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to this later, is uh, from Black Panther. Oh yeah! Oh, spoiler alert! Oh man! Yep, I love those vehicles. We'll talk about that. Um, so this movie at the box office, the international box office, made about five hundred and eighty-five million dollars, uh, which is which is a large chunk of change. Um, you know, especially when it's can you know when you consider it on a one hundred and forty million dollar budget. However, uh, that is the let's see, that is the fifth from the bottom of the MCU in terms like, of box lo- office gross, fifth lowest, fifth lowest. Yeah, well, that makes sense for the you know the time and like where. It started, yeah, because it didn't even get popular. Like I loved Iron Man when it came out. I worked at the theater mm-hmm. when it came out. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. You you already worked at the theater. Yeah, then? I worked wow. at the theater when I was sixteen. I think I was uh, yeah, I was sixteen years old when that came out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they had the really cool poster mm-hmm. with Iron Man's head, and I was like, I called dibs. I called dibs, and you know who stole it? Hmm. Cody. Cody. And it was on his door in his bedroom for as long as I. I, th- I think he took it down, like, last year. Listeners are just like, who the hell is Cody? Why do I care? I know, I keep bringing up Cody. <laughs> bring, bring up random friends of ours. He's just uh, one of my douchebag friends. For context clues, Chase and I uh, worked at a movie theater together. Uh, and actually, when we talk about Thor, that'll be a prevalent thing, because that was the first MCU movie to come out when we were working there together. Um, but yeah, so so this movie made 585 at the uh, at the box office, which is... Uh, it was a huge success for them at the time, uh, especially considering Incredible Hulk. Their safe bet movie made about half that. Uh, a little. I less remember than that. Half that. That's the next episode, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's our very next episode. Which actually, for once, we're actually recording that right after this. Uh, most of the episodes you listeners will be hearing have been recorded very out of order. 
Uh, just a little bit. So I mean, if, if you hear, if you see some weird continuity error or something, yeah, put out the continuity oh, errors man. in our in our conversation. Trying to be tricky because yeah, this is no, this is definitely the first episode we are filming or uh, Re- recording. Recording. Yeah. Um, the other thing uh, that's interesting. You gotta maintain the illusion, bro. <laughs> uh, the other thing that's interesting about this is how universally loved it was. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic score of ninety three percent and audience score of ninety one percent. Critics liked it more. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting, right? Um, uh, all right. So a few a few things that we'll kind of be going over in every episode uh, is uh, let's 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 rate the MacGuffin in this in this uh, uh, story. The MacGuffin of this one, I guess, is the arc reactor. Is it? I feel like it. That's kind of the thing because that's the thing that everyone starts chasing. You know, everyone's trying to get that arc reactor out, out of Tony's chest, like the sort of trying to you know because because it's like Obadiah needs it to make his Ironmonger suit. He needs the arc reactor. Uh, See, I, I like this movie because it doesn't have like an obvious MacGuffin. Yeah, there's no Infinity Stone. Yeah, there's no Infinity Stone in this one, so it's like, um, and I like this because it is pre-Infinity Stones. Yeah, because once they started doing Infinity Stones in like the the second fa- phase two, it's just like every movie had was about. Yeah. And it gets Infinity a little lazy. Stone. It feels like. Yeah, so like, it's like, oh, here's just a thing we can all chase. And I like the idea of that though. Like, yeah. we'll, like we'll have each one, you know. Um, well, yeah, this is all pre. Any of that, yeah. So, um, this is like your basic like redemption story. Yeah, I I like that. I like that the MacGuffin of this movie is is basically Tony Stark's ingenuity. Is that everyone is chasing, basically chasing this thing that is special about Tony Stark. They're chasing this thing that comes from him that he developed and that he made with with his own you know brain power and and weird MacGyver like. You know, that's true. Ingenuity, and so I, I like that it's it's very prevalent to his character and who he is, and what what makes him a hero, what makes him someone worth watching in a movie. Right? Is is that he is exceptionally gifted, uh, and and you know, kind of this genius. And so I like that the entire movie, the thing that everyone is trying to get, is a representation of Tony Stark's genius. I think that's cool. That's true. I mean, they get a little bit more into that. That's like yeah. basically what the entire Iron Man two is about. Yeah, as well. Um, and so I, I think this, if I were to rate this MacGuffin out of uh, out of ten, I'd say this is like a this is a solid like eight out of ten. Yeah, no, I agree. MacGuffin, I'll go with that. Yeah, um, eight uh, arc reactors out of ten. Eight arc reactors out of ten. Um, this movie and actually the uh, one I I always like to see run times on these because I think we'll also we'll start to see them get longer and longer as we go along in the MCU. Yeah, like the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Uh, but this one's a nice, a cool two hours and six minutes, which is which is a, about you know your average superhero movie. That's not that's too long. Pretty long. It's I mean it's pretty long for like for that movie. When I watch the movie, I mean it's such a good movie. It just moves. Yeah, it moves quickly. You know. Yeah. It does. There's no point in that movie where it drags on because like every scene is like a you know a pivotal yeah. scene. Like they don't have a lot of fat that yeah. you know they that need to be trimmed or anything. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. So what's the what's next on the list? Uh, next thing to talk about is the uh, the comic book source material uh, that this draws from. Which, I mean, basically the source material it draws from is uh, they don't really a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe ends up pulling from the Ultimate Comics uh, for the first phase. This one does not. <laughs> the Ultimate Comics Tony Stark is like a very special baby covered in weird nanotech and and like his parents die early and he becomes like there's this whole weird thing. Orson For real? Scott Card wrote it. Yeah, that is weird. Um, but uh, they they kind of just they basically pulled from the traditional Iron Man origin, the one that that Stan Lee, Don Heck, and Jack Kirby kind of came up with. Uh, I mean that makes the most sense. 
Yeah, and they just modernized it, you know, rather than him being like a, you know, a weapons or an arms dealer during the Vietnam War, he's an arms dealer during the Iraq War, you know, like, it's a very just sort of one-to-one, replace this with that, um, and just modernize it and give it a little more complexity. It is weird that there's always a war that they can use. Yeah. Um, They just modernize it. Vietnam, (laughs) they go from World War II to Vietnam to the Iraq War to, I don't know, whatever's going on now. Yeah. Um uh how does it contribute to the larger or to the broader mcu is, is the topic really we're does. talking about it does a little I'm just bit ki- i'm kidding <laughs> i mean obviously it sets the stage but but that is the thing is so it, this one obviously since it was the first of this franchise and this is where this is where these modern ones i think where they make their biggest mistake is that i think with any individual movie the more you try to pull the weight of building a world the more difficult it is to have a good movie uh, and so with this movie, it doesn't really feel like they're trying to set up all these things, right? They're not sitting there going like, oh, you know, here's this character and they'll come, you know, they'll, they'll be a major factor three movies from now and stuff like that. Like everything that's introduced in this movie is relevant to this movie. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, they do kind of do that. They have like the 10 rings, but they just call it the 10 rings terrorist terrorist yeah. organization. Which is cool because it's not something that they throw in your face. Yeah. And it's like, this is this. They don't wa- yeah, they don't waste time on it. Like, yeah, they'll mention exactly. something, but they're not going to, like, sit there and, like, s- have a whole scene setting something up that's not going to pay off in this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- the MC, I feel like they've gotten really good at that, mm-hmm. is teasing stuff because they've had some teases that have been really bad and haven't paid off. And then they, sometimes they'll have, like, just a small tease. Mm-hmm that really does pay off. You know? Totally. And that's where the post-credit scenes come from. Exactly. And, th- and that's the nice thing about the post-credit scene, and I think this is why they put them in the post-credits, is like, here's a moment that's not part of the story of our movie, you know, but that, that builds the larger universe. So it's like, we're not putting it in, in the sort of runtime of just the main story of our movie because it doesn't have anything to do with that, really. It's, this is a thing that's totally separate that just you know, leads you into the next yeah, thing. It's basically just like uh, a very creative teaser. Yeah, exactly. Like and you watch, I think you watch TV shows you know? and it's always like next time on Dragon Ball Z. You know what I mean? Like yeah. The, well, I mean, like TV shows, they end on a, a cliffhanger. Yeah. I'm like, I like that they don't end on cliffhangers with this. They're just like, this is this, and then there's like, yeah, yeah. like the and I think well, Marvel for Infinity War, but and, yeah, Infinity War is a little they'll end different. on a cliffhanger, but um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's you're right. Like it's it's kind of a satisfying story, and then you'll throw a little bit at the end to uh, to kind of set up the rest, which is really the the largest part of world building in this movie is the the i think it's either a mid or post credit scene or both uh when sam jackson shows up um that is a mid isn't is that it? mid yeah because usually they've they've kind of they've jumped all over the place with these yeah. mid and post credit scenes but i think they've gone to the point where it's uh now it's a mid credit scene mm-hmm. that's important and then like a fun one at the post credit scene yeah yeah because people don't like to have to sit and wait yeah. To see and they want to see. I mean, I I sit and wait anyways. Yeah. So um yeah, and they so when they when they filmed and I think so that yeah, this was there was only this one scene and this was I believe it was post credits. Um but when they filmed this, they actually they had no plan for how it was going to set up. Oh, with Nick Fury? Yeah, with Nick Fury. They literally they just they put it in there because they were like Fingers crossed, like, you know, we, maybe we'll get to do that. But they had no plan in place. They had no idea of what they were going to do or how they were going to build to it. They just added this scene in with Nick Fury, who that, that's the first element that starts to come in where it's like, oh, that's directly pulled from the Ultimate Comics. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was in the movie because you, yeah. you we had an argument a couple 
years ago, <laughs> we were talking about Nick Fury, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Nick Fury doesn't show up in Iron Man, uh-huh. but it's the post credit scene. Yep. And I like back then in the day, I never watched post credit scenes, and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. But like the, another thing about having it as a post credit scene mm-hmm. is it's not part of the movie. Yeah. So like if it doesn't pay off, mm-hmm. and you watch the movie, mm-hmm. you know that's not part of the movie. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, they do. They do also tease War Machine. They do tease War Machine, which is cool. Which I mean, that's a pretty easy one to pay off. Yeah. As long as they get a, um, and it's just a line. A yeah. It's just one line, next like time, baby. Next time, and then exactly. it's like you know. And that's what I love about it is that it's they're not they're not wasting time on. Yeah, it's on, just on a one line, up. small scene, nothing that mm-hmm. has to do with. And uh, I'm trying to think of a bad example of how they do that, where they spend well, Iron Man too. We'll we'll get to that yeah, later. We'll get to that later. Um, uh, and that kind of answers the question of, of whether or not the larger MCU bogged down this movie. Since it was the first one, it was very early on, didn't really have the chance to. Um, granted, a lot of universes have, have done that on their first movie. Uh, best performance in this movie, I mean... Well, obviously. Robert Downey Jr. Terrence, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Robert... Have... <laughs> what? Terrence Howard. I, I think he definitely Howard. got gypped, man. I don't even know what happened. I think he wanted more money. <laughs> Something. No, I think they screwed him. There was he was asking yeah he was asking for more money uh, and and Marvel was like no yeah because he, like, he wanted a Robert Downey Jr. deal yeah where he he got in on the back end after so, watching the movie succeed he because he I think the thing that happened was when he came in to negotiate for his contract initially that he didn't want to to have back end contribution because he didn't think the movie was necessarily going to do that well and so he just took a regular rate and then after the movie did so well he was trying to be like well no now for movies going forward I want to. I want to get in on that. I don't Marvel know exactly like, how it works, yeah. but I've, I've heard both sides of the story. Yeah. Um, anyway. Best rising star. For me, it's Phil. It's Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson. That is true. He's so good. Yeah, well, he's like, uh, he's the glue of the MCU. Yeah, at least for Which phase is, one. Yeah, for phase one, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then, he's, you know, very pivotal in uh, Avengers. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could say like Nick Fury kind of plays that role, but like, See, I think Nick Fury. I would be comfortable saying that about Nick Fury in well, but then Rising Star because he's Sam. No, he's not Sam a Rising Jackson. Star, but like the like you know. Oh, the glue. Yeah, yeah. Know, in Phase Two, it's yeah. Nick Fury is totally the the glue. And but uh, yeah, Clark Gregg. I think he's he got a little bit. Do you think he was more popular than he was meant to be? Because yes. he got really popular. Yeah, and uh, it, it made a great you know. He was he was on a one picture deal for this. They didn't. They had no. I mean, like obviously they didn't even really know they'd get a sequel for this at all. But but yeah, they had no idea Phil Coulson was going to be a success. It was just we need an agent. We need a shield agent. We just need a guy that you know goes through like a bureaucrat. And uh, he's really good at playing that part of yeah. being just like Nick Fury's main guy. Yeah. That you know kind of does. You know, his like his right hand or whatever you want. Yeah. I wouldn't say right hand, but maybe left hand. Sure. Is that a thing? <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think undisputed rising star in this movie is... And he's is just amazing in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even though I didn't like the concept of yeah. him coming back. Yeah. Um, I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it, it's gotten a lot better. It's really, really interesting show. So I, I haven't watched it too much, but I've, I've heard good things. Um, plot threads that have been abandoned. Most of the plot threads in this movie are paid off you know, in further movies. However, the 10 rings, they go nowhere. The yeah. 10 rings goes nowhere. They're, they're like, brought it does. Up they, again. they show up, uh, but it's, there's, it's never, it never actually happens. It's like, they're brought up again in Iron Man three because like they, they're trying to say that the Mandarin is associated with the 10 rings or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, we'll get to that one later as well. Yeah. But it's, it, but really the 10 rings don't go anywhere in this universe. They don't pay. No, off. not really. Yeah. 
But uh, I think that was like back when they were trying to make it real, yeah. realistic, because Ten Rings is magic. It's yeah. actually, he wears Ten Rings, the Mandarin does, and he's yeah. very mystical. Yeah. So they're like, well, let's just make it a terrorist organization. Yeah. Which is what, you know, they would do in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Well, especially would... in 2008, like, you yeah. know, Al-Qaeda and like, I guess it was before ISIS, but like Al-Qaeda was still like this very looming threat in people's minds. Uh, and so, yeah, it made sense to like apply it that way. That was the thing that struck me about watching this is like this is definitely a 2008 movie you know like like yeah. the story of this it is so rooted in that year it ages really well though it like does. it's still like a you know a, the most of the vfx or special mm-hmm. effects look really yeah. really good i mean you can tell that they're like that's a little bit dated for what they have nowadays yeah but it still just really holds up yeah totally and uh they they do go into a little bit of uh dated things that mm-hmm. they try to get away from in the future like the flip phone yeah the very beginning i remember you said like i remember when that was like the best like the pinnacle of cell phone technology yeah, was a, a flip phone yeah well because this, this one this one wasn't even the flip phone. It was, it's a sideways rotation screen yeah, like and there's buttons on it yeah it's like this is a widescreen phone it's like not even widescreen it's like the same aspect ratio as an old tv yeah and it's like, like this it. tiny thing with a number pad oh, and that's terrible so good um uh villain rating I like this villain because it wasn't just um, like he had really good motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just like I want to be evil. Well, I guess he does. He mm-hmm. wants to get rid of Stark. Like he's been in the shadow of the Starks the whole time, yeah. so he kind of wants to. Yeah, I think here's what I'll say. I think Jeff Bridges gives a great performance as this character. Well, Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges. He's, he's a, yeah, always amazing he's awesome. to watch. He's always going to be in a certain way one of my favorite villains just because he's Jeff Bridges. You know, (laughs) like I watch that and I'm just like, oh, yeah, you're great. You're Jeff Bridges. This is awesome. And it kind of sets a mold for Marvel villains where they go, okay, this villain might be underwritten, but we're going to put a great actor in the role. So hopefully it'll make up for it. Um, Well, because I like that they put the focus on the hero. Yeah. I mean, the Dark Knight is amazing, but it's it's about the Joker. It's about the Joker. Yeah. Which is why people like I, I remember going like, man, Batman's boring, but the Joker is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and the the Chris Nolan approach is always like our, our hero is just like the lens to look at all this crazy stuff. Whereas in Mar- in the Marvel movies, it's like our hero is the extraordinary thing about this movie. Yeah, and that's why I think that's what they did so right. Is yeah. that it was like so much focus on <clears throat> Tony Stark, you know? Yeah, and I think both are just as valid, but I think that you needed this large charismatic role to sort of lead things off. But I think overall this villain, I I I, I don't think his motivations are... are written quite well enough i don't think that like like i I think his reasons for for being jealous and wanting to take control that he would like that he would go to these extremes are quite uh i i don't think they're set up properly enough i think that some of it's a little like left to interpretation and some of it is like left to inference and and that's fine i don't need everything spelled out for me but I i think that there should have been a bit more justification for him going this hard on on it that's true i mean i think they did a good enough job that like i don't question anything mm-hmm. or like i'm like well that doesn't seem right it, like it, it seemed like the perfect amount of motivation for that villain yeah you know like i mean the movie's not about him it's it's about um tony stark you know it's yeah. about iron man so you know it's it's easy to overlook and i think they kind of they, they kind of do that a lot like mm-hmm. you said in all the movies where they're like all right so we'll kind of overlook the villain yeah and uh focus on the hero totally um and I think you know, like I, I, I'd be remiss. I, my uh, buddy Scott Corelli, who'll be on later episodes, he he wanted me to make a point to mention that the the third act of this movie is garbage. I don't think it's garbage. I think it's okay. Um, How is it garbage? 
I, you know, we'll ask him when we talk to him about Captain America. He can explain his own reasoning. I mean, it's not as exciting as some of the other third acts, but it's like, yeah, I, I do agree. When I first saw it, and I was like, third act is the weakest act. Yeah, but I'm like, I've seen it now, and yeah, I'm I like, still think it, it works. It, it's really cool. It's a really short sequence. Yeah. They have a fight on a road, and then they blow up something yeah. at, on the on the roof. Yeah, it's, and and I think it's it's kind of it's fun and interesting, like seeing the contrast between the two of them. I mean, it gets really monologue-y at a certain point and all that stuff. But but overall, I think it moves, and I I don't have too many huge problems with it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Scott's gonna have to you know my talk favorite about line for himself. Though, okay, but, but my my favorite line though is when he he says it's the weirdest. I don't know why, but it bugs me uh, when, when he's monologuing because yeah. he brought up that he's monologuing and he says. When you were when I was trying to rid, oh, he says he's talking to Tony. He says you're trying, you're trying to, rid, to rid the world of weapons. You gave it its greatest one yet. No, the best one ever. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like best one ever. I'm like yeah, because you just said it. You know, greatest one yet. Yeah, yeah. You've got it, its greatest one yet. But he says you gave it its best one ever, and I'm like that's a weird way. That's, that's a very weird Jeff way say, Bridges yeah. way to say that. <laughs> so I'm like ah. Um, how do you rate the Stan Lee cameo, the Hugh Hefner moment? I don't like it. Really? Because it's like, he goes, hi, Hef, and then he goes, <gasps> like he's going to say something, and then it cuts. Or was that in uh, Iron Man 2? No, this one he doesn't. They do that in when he's Larry David. That's right, that's right. This one, this one's pretty good, because he turns around and he shuffles around, and he goes, whoa! Yeah, yeah, he's like, eh, eh. yeah. And, uh, I liked it. Yeah, I, I give that a... That for me is up there. That for me is uh, maybe another eight. <laughs> eight? Yeah. Yeah, I do like that one. Yeah. Because it's also like, it's it's kind of the... I mean, obviously, Stanley cameos had existed in like all the Spider-Man movies before this, but this is like the first one in the MCU, and I think it was a really good one to do. Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty good. Um, and then how do you how do you rank? I don't think we ranked the or no, we did. Yeah, the post-credit scene yeah, was that about that? Yeah. Um, did we talked about it? Did we did we give it a rating? A rating? Yeah. Well, the post-credit scene that's probably like a ten. Because it's like it's probably the most exciting one. Like when you when you first that's saw true. it, it's that's like true. it's like. Especially, I mean, I said I probably yeah. didn't even watch it. I don't even remember watching yeah. it, seeing it. It's probably that's probably you're. I think you're right. I'm like I'm thinking back to when I did see that in the theaters. I lost my freaking mind. Yeah. Yeah, I know you would have because yeah. you you were a fan of this far before I did. This was yeah. like when I started getting into, you know, obviously because the movies yeah. had started getting really good. Yeah, I was I was coming fresh off of like just getting exposed to comics. I had just actually I had just read Civil War at this point. The really Civil War comics, yeah. And so I was like, I was already going all hard on Iron Man. I was like, yeah, Iron Man's dope. Like, his, the way that he's drawn in Civil War is so awesome. Like, his suit design is incredible. And Yeah, that's probably one of the first times they started making it like yeah. a mech suit. Yeah. Instead was, of, like, God. just like an iron steampunk suit. Yeah. I was obsessed with, with this. I'm like, I'm thinking back now, like, between this movie and then the Civil War comics, I was obsessed with the Iron Man suit design at this time. I was like always going on the internet, googling different like comic artists, Iron Man interpretations, and like I love the sort of and that's that's the other thing too. I think one of my favorite little things about this movie is seeing the parts of the suit move and function together. I mean, you're a pretty mechanically minded guy. Yeah, too. the the design of this was yeah. so cool because like it goes back to when they try to make it realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, how can a it's guy so make tactile. a suit that can be like a stealth suit yeah. that can compete with uh, you know fighter planes? Yeah, and I like that he kind of loses that battle. Yeah, too. yeah. It's it's great. I I I love the dogfight sequence. It's yeah, that's probably it's so good. Yeah, from that point when he fights the people and he does the dogfight, that's yeah. the best part of the movie. Oh my gosh, that's yeah, it's like that that fun and games phase of it. Like it is, it is incredible. I think that is one of the best sequences, action sequences in yeah. the MCU. Um, 
But yeah, yeah, I love I love that as a hero. Like he's starting off, and you know he mm-hmm. can beat these terrorists because they're just a bunch of guys with guns. Yeah. But when he has to go up against like the United States Air yeah. Force, when he starts getting really clever too, it's like because it's it's a huge struggle. Yeah. He keeps like doing really interesting and innovative things with how he's flying and like the decisions he's making. Like yeah, well, it's a lot of it's just like um, he's like I'm just gonna whoosh, and then yeah. he flies backwards, which seems kind of like a like a. He wasn't planning on doing that, no. but he's like, I got it, because he put out the flares and everything. Yeah, it's all like these moments. And that was the thing, too, is like the, the missiles as they're getting closer to him, and he's like trying to figure out, and, he's like, and like, it's like in this moment of panic, that he's like, oh, fl- flares, flares. Yeah, he's like, like you yeah. know, he's got that on his face. And then he's and, holding on to the belly of the jet, like, you know, and they see him when he turns. And, and then also yeah. the thing that ties it together is when he saves the pilot, you know, when he goes down and punch, pulls out the parachute. Yeah, because it's it's very like um, it reminds me of Transformers when yeah. they're like we don't know what's going on at the beginning. Yeah, that's the best part of like one of my favorite parts of the Transformers movies is like they're like we don't know what's going on and they they ha- kind of have that like panic of like yeah they're like it's not on the radar and you know all those like lines from yeah, like yeah, random yeah. people. Um, yeah, but like so that's a the thing that I've had a lot of, with uh, problem with with uh, some of the newer heroes. Yeah, that we'll talk about and I've talked to you about it. Yeah, and uh, is that, that they kind of started off too big yep so i like that how uh low-key this one starts low-key low-key um yeah so he's like he's a you know op guy you know yeah. he's overpowered but like he's still not like to his full potential yeah and then he's got a lot of growing and building to do not just character wise but like suit wise and technology wise mm-hmm. so yeah it's no it's it's great and i i just i really love the I just, it's all the shots, all the gratuitous shots of, like, the suit sort of coming together, you know, the bolts, like, kind of twisting in, and the the flaps kind of, like, moving around and fitting into place, and, like, I love the boots, the way the boots sort of clamp on and, like, form together. I love those It looks so realistic, yeah. too. You and I are like, car guys, and so that kind of stuff, I feel like, is pouring to dudes like us. <laughs> so yeah. We just, like, watch that, and we're like, oh, that's so cool. It's sick, man, and it was popular back in the day, oh, yeah. it, like, Transformers was doing it, and, uh... yeah. Speaking of like the mechanical car stuff, yeah. when he's building the suit and doing the tests, yep. I love that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. it's him just hanging out, building stuff, and he wrecks some cars, and yep. he flies over him, and he's like, not over the yeah, cars, yeah. this is where I don't want to be. Great sequence. And uh, yeah, just that kind of stuff, because it's yeah. just him in his shop. Yep. And uh, they've tried to recreate come, sign up, hit kind, those scenes in, yeah. uh, in future movies. Yeah. And uh, they just don't compare to like the first time. Yeah, it's so there were some fun ones in Iron Man three, um, but yeah, I, th- I was thinking I, of that one. I think that's the thing is like it's it's that is the one thing that's lost. Like there's the scene in this movie of him just like working on his car. Like I love that, and that's that's kind of there's there's a heart there to Tony Stark that is yeah. It it's, it brings it back into like it's relatable. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess to us at least to us, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's like oh Dude, man, that's grew, a he's got a what a flathead in there that he was yeah. working on yep. the. Yeah, this a straight six motor on that hot rod. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and I had the well straight. Was it straight six? My buddy's got a, fl- a flathead in his um, hot rod, yeah. and it looks just like that. And yeah. it's got the spark plugs in the in the heads. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very, it's super cool. But anyway, yeah, I like that because it's it's super relatable. Yeah, um, and it, and it pays off by giving him sort of the inspiration for his suit colors too. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Very subtle because sometimes they try to do that and it's like. Oh my gosh! But that it's like he's like oh, throwing some hot rod red. I've been yeah, working exactly. on this hot rod for a while. Yep. Um, retcons. Retcons. I'm thinking of one. Yeah. Do Don Cheadle. One? Don Cheadle. Terrence Howard. Um, is that a retcon? That's a recast. It's a recast. I I still. I mean, I guess it's. I for me, it still falls in the same category. But yeah, it's a recast. Okay. And well, also because the character then does change quite drastically. That's true. But what's what, what's on it. your mind? You, you you can't guess. 
I'm trying to think what is, what would be the big retcon for this uh, movie? it's a little one huh. um it's uh Phil Coulson calls it the strategic homeland something 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 oh yeah 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 well that's a lot we're working on it but obviously they retcon homeland it. information uh logistics, logistics division. division yeah yeah, they, so they they kind of play that like it's a new organization, yeah. but it's been around for a while, and they they've already had the acronyms of Shield. Yeah, and it should be pretty prominent in this mo- like at, in this universe by then. I mean, I guess that's a retcon for later. Yeah, but like uh, this is something that was different. Like they made it seem like it was new. Like when when uh, will they? Is there when did they say that Shield existed before that? In Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, you're. It's right. been around for a really long time, and if you watch Agents of Shield, they have a whole university kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's that's kind of like out. It's still in universe, but it's not in main continuity, yeah. kind of thing. Um, that's interesting. That, yeah, that's they've had it, and they have the whole building, and they've got the logos everywhere. Yeah. Obviously, Captain Marvel says in the '90s, he's, she's like, "Is it help to have like your logo blasted, you know, plastered over everything?" Right. Yeah, it's totally and I agreed. Shield. I was like, "There's a secret." Why yeah. they got why they, why, why they have everywhere. so much branding? I know. I'm like, geez. And you watch the first season of Agents of Shield. Yeah, it's like everything, every window, every hat, every door, every car. Yeah, I've never worked in a government facility, so I don't know if if they just have like really intricately designed logos plastered on everything. But probably not. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, this is. I mean, because this is the first movie, there was a lot to talk about. But this is this is uh, about double our normal length. Uh, but it's it's been a good discussion. I think any any final things you wanted to talk about before we uh that was that was the last thing that was on my mind was the the shield thing. All right. So. Uh, well, if you uh, if you're if you like the show, if you want to come along with us on this uh, road to Endgame, feel free to hop aboard. We got plenty of seats. Um, and if uh, if you have any friends who are also anticipating Endgame and and uh, trying to trying to get caught up and refreshed on all the movies and how we got to this point and the the large tapestry that is the MCU. Make sure you tell them about the show. Recommend it to them. Share it with your friends. Uh, it's it's you know we're 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 technically a new podcast. It's it's a rebrand of an old one, but uh, this is a new show out there. You know, it's it, it'll I think help us a lot to sort of get some fresh eyes on it and some fresh fresh blood in the water because we're sharks. Um, Rar. And speaking of being sharks, sharks do that. Sure. Yeah, they do now. <laughs> Speaking of being sharks, we are hungry for that money. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can uh, head over to patreon.com slash that might be cool. Um, there are various different tiers on there uh, that will give you different benefits, including an exclusive podcast for our patrons. Ooh. Oh, yeah. A bunch of episodes. Chase and I driving in the car talking about various things, um, including a bunch of other movies and stuff. But it's an area for us to just get off topic and, and uh, oh, those are the best, man. shift the focus away from the, the sort of seasons that we're doing and the overarching themes. Those are a fun time. Um, so you can head on over to patreon.com slash that might be cool. Check out the tiers, see which one works best for you. Uh, and, uh, and you know, throw, throw in a, a little support to your, your best buds, Jason and Chase. Yeah. Cause we really need it. We really need it. We're, we're, we're just, we're poor little Oliver twists, sir. <laughs> uh, but until tomorrow, thank you so much for listening.